You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, Luke here, let's get the camera sorted a little bit better there, and this is another podcast episode, 80 on the 15th of October 23, Throat is uh, not too bad, but this episode probably won't be too long, so hopefully it'll last, but yeah, Essen's done, Essen 2023 is done, and I'm still recovering from it, not from a concrud perspective, I don't think I got concrud at all, but just the fact that, you know, you chat a lot, your throat gets sore, and mainly just being exhausted. I mean, it's exhausted in a good way. I had a lot of fun there, met a lot of people, talked to many publishers, got a lot of games, both, you know, some review copies and some stuff I bought to get reviewed for Patreons effectively. And so, yeah, I am staring at a lot of board games dotted around my table, which I can't put on a Calyx shelf yet because I don't have the space. <laughs> yeah, there's... um. Likely to be some culls in the future. I might have to do a special episode on that, maybe, because, you know, the the board game shelf thing, the shelf-by-shelf shelf thing, that's not going to cover that many culls. I may have to do a special episode on that. We'll see, but it depends what I keep. I mean, I may not keep everything from Essen. There's going to be some games there that don't meet the mark, you know, that didn't do as well as I'd like them to. And so whether I keep them or not remains to be seen. But I got a ton to get through, an absolute ton of games to get through by Christmas it's going to be quite a busy quarter while trying to do all the other content thankfully I don't have to worry about top 100 nonsense until January so at least that won't be a problem will I do some compilations maybe I mean I'll certainly do some compilations for small games you know so I don't have to spend ages on reviews for them I mean I've just literally released the uh, Zoo Tycoon review so that has gone up a big, and that was a big one, nearly 30 minutes long. I tried to trim it down, and I did trim it down. I mean, there's a good five minutes worth of stuff on the cutting room floor there. But, man, that was a long review. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to say, and it's not doing as well as I would like at the moment. It's only barely under 2,000 views, and it's like, I, would, I need that one to boost up. I would love it if that could be shared out or watched by more people. Uh, I, I really wished I could have got it out before Essen. That would have been great, but sadly, there just wasn't enough time. But that one took a while to edit, so I'm hoping that one does well enough to justify it. On the plus side, though, the if you want to know about what games I bought at Essen, I have done a video for this, the Big Game Hall Essen 23 already at 12,000 views. It has already eclipsed my top 10 anticipated Essen games, and it's not even been out for anywhere near as long. So thank you everybody who is watching that video and commenting on that. I am glad that that video, a simple concept of just talking for a bunch of games for 50 minutes, you know, that was a long video. I'm so glad a lot of you are watching it. So yeah, thank you for that. Uh, what's on the horizon on the channel? Well, like I say, I got to play a bunch of games and get them reviewed. I'm going to do a I will do a Games Played in September. I missed out the August one. I'm not going to miss out this one. I will do a September Games Played. Uh, I'm also going to do another Shelf by Shelf at some point. You know, pick another Calyx Square and talk about that briefly. I do want to do a Top 10 soon, but whether it will be a solo one or one with a collaboration, I don't know. Um, you know, I've got some in mind. 
But as for game reviews, the next one due after Zoo Tycoon is... Which is the one that I just... Oh, yeah, Lands of Galzia. Lands of Galzia review is recorded. I just need to edit that one. As for new reviews to record, I am ready to do a review of Sweet Mess from Peaker Studios. I think it's called. Yeah, Peaker... Is it Studios? Sorry, Peaker Games. I'm just looking at the box. Literally at the box for it. Yeah, Peaker Games. Uh, is there any other one that I could review very soon? I could possibly do a review for uh, The White Castle uh, from uh, Devier Games. That's had enough plays lately. Other than that, I don't think I've played any of the other wrestling games enough to warrant a review at this stage. But that is what my agenda is, to play a bunch of games. So, yes... Over the next couple of months, I'm going to be playing these games at club nights, conventions, with mates. I mean, HandyCon is coming up in less than two weeks now. And so you bet I'll be taking a bunch of these games to Essen to play. To Essen, to HandyCon to play. And of course, GridCon is coming up in November. So of course, more games for then. But yes. Essen was great. Thanks to everybody who said hi, who just like came to shake my hand. Do not be shy if you know, you're coming to me about that sort of thing. Just literally just come and say hi. If I am that much in a hurry, A, I will look like I'm in a hurry because I will be running at high pace or I will just simply tell you I'm in a hurry and I'll probably say walk with me, you know, or just be very quick about it. But honestly, do not feel like you got to be shy about talking to me to say hi or that you love the channel. It's appreciated and there were some great moments. I've noticed there's a trend actually, I'm come to think of it with, I don't know if it's a German thing, or it's a European thing, but there was a lot of occasions where somebody would not reveal that they knew me before we'd had like a full demo game together, or a full conversation. So, particularly the first part, there were several games where I sat down, introduced, yep, yeah, great, thanks to me, you never said I was part of a channel or anything, played a demo game, had good fun, and then at the very end, as we're leaving, one person says, love your channel, love your work, can I get a selfie, blah, 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 and it's like, great. But why wait till the end of the demo for that? Why not ask that ahead of time? Why not just say, you know, love your channel, great to be here, you know, stuff. It's it's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. But I just find it kind of weird because it's not something I've seen very often in real life. And I'm wondering if it is like a part of a German sort of social culture or European social culture because it's not something I see in Britain very often. I was just kind of curious about that. But anyway... Great to see you all, and obviously, I'll be there next year. For definite, I've already booked my hotel, so uh, yeah, I'm ready for next year. Uh, what else on the channel? Not much to say, other than the fact that the channel is doing pretty well on the subscriber front. Yeah, we're already past the 21,000 mark, and we have already nearly reached 21,200. That is quite a big jump in the last few weeks, so many thanks for everybody who is subscribing to that. You know, if you can, subscribe to the Patreon as well to help me get these review copies because SM was not a cheap trip. But, you know, even if you can't, just support the channel. Just watch the videos, comment on them, get into conversations, share them on social media. It all helps, and I can't thank you all enough. So, yeah, positive trend. Let's hope it continues for the next three months. All right, let's get on to a, a couple of... We're going to talk about a couple of games played. And we'll talk about uh, a sort of topic of the day and we'll kind of leave it at that. But I do want to talk about these two games in particular. One really, really surprisingly good and one not as good. Uh, let's talk about the good one so far. Now, this is an unheard of game for many people. And I didn't get every single game I wanted to at Essen. I you know, wasn't able to get everyone. But it turned out that 
you know, some of them just sold out way too early and I didn't expect it. Coffee Rush was one of them. I mean, I did not expect Coffee Rush to sell out, but apparently it did. Oh, well, it's coming out on retail, I think, in the next month or two. Um, I think I can already see pre-orders, so I'll try it when it comes out. Not too fussed. But I want to talk about this one called No Kosu Dice. And man, trying to remember the title for this one is an absolute nightmare. But Nikosu Dice is a trick-taking game that uses dice, and somebody sort of brought it out, um, well, I say somebody, sorry, I was at a evening of games with Sarah Shah and, from Board Games in a Minute and uh, the Drander Games team, so the Drander Games, the publisher doing Galactic Cruise and uh, Solar Sphere, Solar Storm, and what else do they do, Pioneer Rails, Isle of Trains, that's got to be ringing a few bells by now, but the team were basically playing games at a hotel, and I joined them uh, under Sarah's invite. Lovely bunch of people. Seriously, I already get on well with Sarah. Sarah and I are good buddies, but the yeah, the Dranda Games team, they're just so friendly. They are so chatty and, and in some cases, so nuts. I mean, they, they had some great volunteers on, including like Board Gaming Wizard and uh, Sarah Shah as well and that. So, yeah, they're just a good, fun bunch of people. But we sat down and played a couple of games, and one of them brought out this game called Nikosu Dice. I had never heard of it. I hadn't seen the booth, I did not know anything about it, but they knew, from watching my channel, I like trick-taking games. So they thought, alright, let's show you it, and it was convenient for five players. After playing this game, I thought, well, before playing this game, I thought, okay, this will be fine, but, I mean, it's unheard of, I don't know anything about it. Could be better than I expect, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to temper my expectations. This is single-handedly one of the best, if not the best, trick-taking game I have played. Maybe the best is going a bit far, but it's one of them. I mean, if I did a top 10 right now, this would be high up in it. That's how much I enjoyed this. This is a, you know, a game that literally the publisher brings about 200 copies to Essen, and that is it. It's really annoying. I mean, you just could not get a copy of this. You had to queue for ages, and even then you weren't guaranteed one. So obviously, I don't bother to subscribe to that. Now, will we see a retail copy of this soon? Hopefully. I've heard rumors, but failing that, this is a game I could literally create out of a bunch of cheap dice and a, and a copy of Stick 'em Up card game. So it's not like I can't play the game if I just download the rules. But put simply, it's a trick-taking game where you, you, over five rounds, you want to get the most points. Funny enough, each round plays the same. The idea is, is that you are dealt a hand of cards and they're numbered from zero to seven in different colors. You also have dice that you spend a phase drafting at the start. You draft from all these different colored dice that have just been rolled with all these values, including a couple of black, like, I'm going to lose this trick dice. And eventually, you're going to have four dice in front of you. And one will be left in the middle, which will represent the sort of ultimate trump. The trump color, the trump number, the trump combo. So, and then there's a hierarchy for what wins a trick. So, if you've got, say, the two yellow in the middle, a two yellow will win the trick full stop. Then a yellow will win the next in the hierarchy. And then the number, or it's, I forget which way around it is, it's color or number, but basically a hierarchy from top to bottom. And you simply play through your tricks as normal, trying to win, you know, a certain number of them. You, you know, highest card wins or whatever. But here's the, here's the, um, the unique selling point here, Okay. So, the dice that you have in front of you are effectively cards in your hand. You actually play them as cards, effectively, on certain um, hands to do it. Okay, cool. So, some of your hand is actually visible to other players. That's already pretty cool. Here's the really fun part, though. Out of the four dice that you have in front of you, one of them won't get played. There's going to be one die that will sit in front of you. That die 
is how many tricks you are aiming to win by the end of the round. If you do manage to meet that target, then you will score 10 points for every other player who didn't meet their target, plus one point for every trick. Everybody gets that. You can even shoot the moon and go for a zero trick hand, which means that not only do you meet the target, but you also get a 10 point bonus for shooting the moon. I achieved this in my second round. I was very pleased about this. But this is what makes this game. You have the normal trick-taking rules, which are familiar, but then you have this trump in the middle that everybody's aware of. But you also have the dice in front of people where you can see what people have got. So it's like, you're aiming to get a bunch of tricks because you've got a bunch of high numbers in front of you. Okay, noted. Deny you a few tricks and that'll be good. But I notice you have a lot of yellows, which means that you are very good with this trump that's a yellow too. And you start being able to make little deductions about other people. And you can almost goad others into giving up their dice or making a tough decision that might make a mistake, etc. But other than that, it uses the similar trick-taking rules. So yes, you can create this literally using the cards out of Stick'em Up or whatever it's called. Stick'em, I think it's called Stick'em, and a bunch of colored dice from Amazon, I guess. But this is a really clever trick-taking game. I was blown away by how much I enjoyed this. So much so I want a copy stat. Sadly, I couldn't get one at Essen. And I doubt anybody who's bought one is going to send it to me. Because I'm pretty sure they're already enjoying it. But when I see this game on sale, I'm grabbing it. And I'm also, at some point, going to create my own. I am going to find the components, download the rules and create this game because it was just that much fun. The cleverness of using the dice in front of you, having to change your tactics, like I've got a five and a two in front of me. Well, I could go for five tricks. I'm doing, oh no, I'm not doing too well this round. You know what? Given the five when I can, hold on to the two. Now I've just got to do two tricks. Can I avoid winning a third trick? It's just stuff like that is so cool you know it, it it brings a unique take on you know this i don't know what pictures these are these are like weird pictures from old uh oh sagrada totten and stuff no 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 um did it go by another name sagrada totten i'm not sure but i'm i'm only interested in the original nikosu dice so yeah this it's just a really good fun game doesn't take too long you could shorten the rounds if you want you don't have to play five rounds but honestly i want this game stat i'm probably going to create it as well hopefully before HandyCon, if not before GridCon, and I will bring it along and I will show it to people because I just think it was that good. All right, uh, the not-so-good area. Apiary. Apiary. I don't know how you pronounce this word. Apiary. Is that it? Apiary? I don't know. The B game. The B game from Stonemeyer. God, the throat is really uh, struggling today. All right. So, this game... You want to know what hype is in real form? This game. This game got announced by Stonemaier literally about, what, like a month or like two weeks before Essen? Like really late. You want to know why? Because it generated so much hype for this game that everybody went bonkers over it. Like loads of people were queuing up to play this game. I had to queue up for a good 40 minutes before the show started just to book a time slot. It was in high demand. I personally had no interest in this. I thought, okay, this looks like a generic worker placement. It's got a theme that's going to make no difference. It's from Stonemaier, who have yet to impress me with a game since Wingspan. And I knew that the hype train was going to go crazy for this. It got worse than that, mate, I can tell you. Not only were people queuing up loads in order to play this game, but 
because they freight shipped a bunch of these copies to Essen so they could sell them, they jacked the price up to consumers to 90 euros. This is a game that retails for $59 on their website to buy it from. And they expected people to fork out an extra, what, 30 pound? You know, 30 odd dollars, 30 euro, whatever, on top of the price to get it at Essen. That's unacceptable. I'm sorry. I cannot believe that cost was passed on to consumers. But what I actually can't believe more is that people at Essen actually paid that. They either did not do their research or didn't seem to consider that maybe 90 euros is a bit much for a game that's not exactly the biggest bucks, biggest set of components or whatever ever, you know why people were paying 90 euros for this they just obviously assumed this was going to be the next big hit since sliced bread and went for it but i don't know consumers they'll just buy anything these days this is why i do value for money talks this is why i tell it how it is and give pros and cons so that you can make more intelligent buying decisions than simply believe in the hype train and paying an inflated price for a game you've not played yet so this one apri what is it it's a worker placement game it's about space bees, and at that point, the theme is gone. Yes, you collect pollen and worms and honey. Whatever, it's a, it's a generic worker placement game. It's not a spacey theme game. But the idea is you have these workers, which are these bees, and these were these cool rubber pieces. I mean, they've got some half-decent components in here, but... The idea is, is that you have spaces on the board you can go, not that many, and your workers are numbered 1 to 4. They start off at 1 and 2, I believe, and then they gradually get better. Every time a bee worker of yours is kicked off the board, it levels up. And if you retrieve all your workers, which is not the recommended thing to do because it does slow you down a bit, they all level up. The idea being that you know the actions are based on the strength of the bee. We've seen this before. But at level 4, they get bonuses to the various actions so a level 4b is particularly powerful but if a level 4b gets kicked off the board it goes away and you have to resurrect it basically as a level 1 it goes in the hibernation and you get a cool bonus for it that's essentially the gist this is not something brand new we have seen this before but i got into a demo and i played it i played a full game okay i have played a full game this was not just a little demo and it's okay I mean, you know, the components here are cool. They've got some tiles and they've got those wooden resource pieces. That's nothing new. I do like the rubber bee uh, rocket ships, but honestly, they could have been wooden and I would have been happy with it. But, you know, the queen bee rubber miniature is literally just a placeholder for where you are on the exploration board. I say exploration. It's literally a grid where you collect resources. It's not exactly exploration. But, you know, that's kind of it. And would you look at this picture and think that this was 90 euros? I mean, bear in mind, Everdale Farshore was charging something like 80, 90 euros for it. And I'd argue that the components in um, Everdale Farshore were better than this one as an overall picture. But even that was too expensive. You know, the artwork is fine. I mean, most of the artwork is on the board. You don't really get a lot of the artwork anywhere else. But... You know, the, the game itself just plays fine. It's a simple-ish worker placement game. But this one still has problems. And some of it... And I know I've only played one game of this. So it's hard to comment after that. This is based on first impressions. But, I mean, firstly, as I said, the game is pretty generic. The Space B theme doesn't make any sense. It's not, like, represented well in the game. And you just don't care when you're playing a generic worker placement game. 
the game also has a bit of a balance issue from what I can see. And a lot of it stems from the randomness of these level 4Bs. The board has actions on here. I don't know how well you'll be able to see on the picture. But these actions that you've got give you bonuses if you have a level 4B. And some of these bonuses are worth every penny. Some of them aren't worth the printed matter that's on the board. I mean, you can go and do a level 4B at the advanced bit, which is get a new tile for your hive. It gets you free victory points. Great. Uh, you can go do some conversions at the convert bit, resource X into XY. If you do it with a level 4B, you create a dance, which is literally just to take a couple of resources, stick them on a the line and say, here's a new conversion you can do. Wow. Wow, to stretch the theme on that one. But... In doing so, you get some reward, like Queen's Favor, if someone else does the conversion, which doesn't happen that often. And even then, the Queen's Favor track is literally just a track for victory points at the bottom of the board that is not worth it unless you really munchkin it out. And if you're doing that, you are losing points elsewhere. So, big whoop. It's The Queen's Favor is like, it's such a generic name for a track with points on it. You know, there's no other bonuses for it. There's nothing else you get from the Queen's Favor track. It's literally just a track with victory points. Wow, really going with the theme. But here's my big problem, biggest problem here. In order to really win this game, you need to get these carved honey tiles. These are endgame scoring opportunities, and you can see what they are, so you can know what to aim for. You can only grab these with a level 4B. There is no other way to do it, okay? The other actions can be done without level 4Bs. But the level 4Bs are random when you get them. Because most of the time you'll get them when the level 3 is kicked off the board. When will the player kick them off the board? I don't know. It depends. But then also, you know, once you've used your level 4Bs, they're going to go away into hibernation. So you've got to spend ages building them up again. And chances are you won't be able to do it before the game ends. But, you know, if you waste your level 4B on, like, the explore action or the advance action, which is really... A waste of time to use on three victory points is nothing when these honey tiles score you somewhere between 16 to 20 if you do well with them and you're like well let's say i can use the level 4b to make a little conversion uh segment or i can spend a level 4b to plant a card or i can lower the level 4b to get three victory points or i can use the level 4b to get a honey tile which will score me 16 to 20. do the math in fact i had a situation where literally i had three choices get three victory points, flip my hive tile, which would have equated to an extra four victory points, or get a honey tile that would have scored me 20. Which do you think I'm going to do? And honestly, even if you're not doing that well on some of these honey tiles, they're going to score you at least eight, eight to 12, even if you're not doing that well with them. So always getting the honey tiles is better than any of the other actions for a level 4B. And I ran into a situation in a demo where because I'd used my level 4Bs on other things, I didn't have a level 4B when I wanted to, as the game was ending, to get a honey tile. So, you know, if you... And you've got no way to do it. You've got no way to artificially bump your Bs apart from retrieving, which sucks tempo out of your game and means you're not doing other things. But that means that you literally can be caught in a situation where you have all the ingredients to do everything, and yet just because you don't have a B of that worker at a random point you can't get what you need despite the fact you have what you need for it it's it doesn't make sense why that's a thing and i just found that really irritating you know it, it felt restrictive unnecessarily for a game that's trying to be relatively simple i mean the game is simple these rules are not complicated there is not a lot of rules in this game the actions are dirt simple 
So to have this unnecessary restriction in there is just kind of bewildering. Now it makes a big deal about, oh, you've got all these faction boards and you can play all these different factions. Really, it makes no difference. All it is is that you basically get a little hive segment like this. It has some empty spaces. You can store resources. It will give you some way of scoring points. But mainly, you just basically get maybe some extra bonus for you know, surrounding it with tiles. It's a little difference, but the fact that they boast about having 20-odd factions really doesn't make a huge difference in this game. Now, the, the game itself, as I said, is fine. It's not a bad game. I still enjoyed it-ish. I mean, I, again, I just found it basic and generic. There wasn't any unique selling point to make me go, oh, yeah, this is different from all the rest. The theme was, there was no point in the theme. Um, there was definitely some tiles that I just thought were better than others. I mean, I mean, looking at this picture here, you can move the queen ship plus two spaces on the explore track whoopity do it really isn't a big deal because most of the time you either won't explore or you just won't care about moving the queen ship that far because your ships will do it anyway being able to carve get one of those honey tiles for the cost of less honey that's pretty sweet but being able to carve with a strength free worker is downright insane that is so much flexibility to get those honey tiles and somebody actually managed to win the game purely because they had something, a lucky card in their hand that said, this turn you may do a carve with a strength-free worker. That was the only reason they won. They had a lucky card by random draw. Otherwise, they should have lost. You know, these sort of things get in the way of a lot of Stonemaier games, where balance and randomness kind of come out and ruin some games. And I know it's present in some of the games that I do love from Stonemaier, like Siphon, Wingspan, and, and Viticulture. But... You know, it's gotten worse with games like Tapestry and Charterstone and all this lot. And this is no different. It's an okay game. I'd give it a 5 out of 10. It's average. But there's not much to sell it. And I just don't get the hype factor. You know, people have gone nuts for this. And I'll be interested to see some reviews for this, you know, from trusted reviewers where they come by. And, and we'll see whether they say that this is like the best game ever or whether they talk about some of the problems because i'm i'm already going to call it right now uh if, i don't know if they've done reviews already or not but i'm going to call that board game co will give this at least a four out of five if not a five out of five the dice tower is going to give this a seal of excellence i can see it happening now um i can't think of any um, i'll bet you i suspect Rado's obviously going to love it because everything he does he's going to love i suspect finger femur is going to give this a high mark it's it's just I don't know, I just I can see a lot of people who are like Stonemaier fans giving this high praise. And honestly, I think it's fine. It's average. But don't play an inflated price for this. Do not go out of your way to pay stupid high extortion prices on eBay or secondhand. If you want it from their official website, buy it from their official website because it will be a cheaper way of doing it. But all I would say is if you're strapped for space in your gaming collection and you already have enough worker placements... This isn't really going to change the formula or replace any, I don't think. It exists, and I think that this will be one of those forgotten Stonemaier games. I mean, does anybody remember Pendulum? Not really. <laughs> this is nowhere near as bad as Pendulum. Pendulum was a horrible game. But this is going to be one of those that's just somewhere down in their collection that nobody really cares about, I reckon. You know, you know when people say, oh, will this be played in four to five years? This won't be guarantee you four to five years we won't be talking about this game 
Alrighty, let's move on to the topic of the day as my throat struggles to catch a break. Let's have a drink. My blackcurrant tastes very weird today. I don't think it's my throat. I think maybe it's just uh, you know, either the water is a bit hard today or perhaps I just didn't put enough juice in it. I don't know. But, um, right. The topic. So, AI. Ah, uh, yes, AI. This is a big deal, isn't it? Basically, I haven't really spoken much about this in the past, but I just wanted to give some brief thoughts. This idea of AI art and chat GPT and stuff like that, it's... I don't know much about these things. I mean, ChatGPT is a platform where you can basically ask the AI to do something and it does it for you within limitations. But it seems to be fairly decent at its job, at least to a basic fundamental level. There is also the idea of using AI art, which has become a very controversial topic in gaming. And certain publishers have taken a little bit of flack lately. And even Essen Spielfair took flack for this because they used it. So... We'll get to that one a bit later, but let's just start with the game first that really brought this up. And there are some games that I think I've got. I mean, I think the Path of Civilization one, people have commented that uses AI art. I will have to double check that because I'm not certain if it does or not, but uh, someone has hinted it, so I will certainly uh, have a little check. But the main one is Terraforming Mars. Terraforming Mars already had bad art. I mean, it just used stock photos for most of it, so to call it art is saying something anyway, but apparently... The new Kickstarter campaign, Prelude 2, has openly used AI art. And the and the uh, you know the technology has been used by them, Fricks Games and Stronghold Games, and they are happy to have used it. They don't mind the fact that they've used it. They actually actively defend the fact that they use AI art. So, you know, people are some people don't mind it. I mean, the fact that people are paying over a million pounds for a million dollars for it is uh you know, already saying that there's a lot of people who don't really care, but generally is the fact that, you know, I mean, why is AI art controversial? Look, oh all these pop-ups here, it's really annoying. But, you know, as this one, gamesradar.com mentions, I mean, here is pretty much the main concern. Many are worried that companies will see an opportunity to cut costs and bypass actual artists in favor of low-effort AI-made alternatives, basically about professionals losing their livelihoods. What's more, AI artworks by trawling through and using a database of existing artwork to create its own illustrations. Because the original artists aren't credited or compensated, there's an argument that their illustrations are being stolen or Frankensteined, as his website says, into something new without their consent. So Essen has also come under wraps this year because their banners that they used, I thought the art looked a little bit weird on them. They looked a bit out of place and sort of like... You know, but they were colourful, and I thought, you know what, they sue Essen. But these posters are AI art generated. So all the tickets, posters, and the app use AI art, nothing from artists. Where do I stand with this? Kind of basically agreeing with what that quote just said. I don't like the idea of AI art. I don't think AI art looks as good as a proper sense of a proper artist's work. But mainly, it's just the fact that artists exist they have creative talent they put their livelihood they put their jobs or their careers their whole well-being and, and living standards are based on the fact that they can do great art and there are some games that i sing the praises of where the art is fantastic if you had ai art you wouldn't have stuff by vincent dutrait or um 
Piero, uh, was it Piero that does ghost stories? Um, I don't know if I'm trying to think, actually. Let's look up some. Why don't we look up some right now from games that I recall? So, Wingspan. Uh, that would be Beth Sobel, wouldn't it? Beth Sobel did the art for Wingspan and a lot of other sort of nature-themed games. We wouldn't have that if we had... Um, a, oh, is it? Oh, no. Is it Beth Sobel? Oh, she's on some of the art. Yeah, there's several artists here. Anna Maria Martinez and Natalia uh, Rojas. I can't pronounce these names. But, yeah, Beth Sobel is on the list and Greg May. So, there's quite a few on that one. But then... You've got Vincent Trait, so the new Armin Ray. Uh, well, actually, no, not even Armin Ray. I'll find you a better one than that. Canopy. If you had AI art, you wouldn't have this beauty. This gorgeous game. You tell me that AI art can replicate anything that looks as gorgeous as that cover. I don't think so, people. This game is absolutely gorgeous, and you need someone like Vincent Trait to do that. But then there's other like fantastic artists. Let's not forget um, the Miko. Uh, Namiko has done a lot of art lately. Let's take Endless Winter as a sign. Uh, it looks like I'm on my normal, uh, I'm on my normal uh, BGG setup. All right, fine. You can see my rating for it eight, but you know, although that might go down unless the errata improves the game, so we'll see. But uh, let's find Miko's artwork here. So duh, duh, duh. here we go. You know, gorgeous art. Love his art and stuff. It's used a lot in the. Uh, I think the Garfield game series and, you know, and all, and, you know, Fantasia Studios are using a lot of his art. I think it's fantastic. I really like his style. And so, you know, AI art is not going to replicate that. Uh, let's find another one. Um, was it Piero or something? I got it wrong. Let's go. It's Ghost Stories, I think, is a best example of his art. Yeah, Piero. So this art, uh, where is it? So this board, which looks this game, which is absolutely gorgeous i love the look of ghost stories but look at this kind of art on the uh, ghost cards it's fantastic you know this guy really knows how to draw and you know this is stuff that ai art just cannot do you can't replicate this kind of stuff and so the the problem i have is that you know artists do a good job they do a good job in these games and you should pay them don't shortcut and like cut your costs by screwing artists over. I don't get that. Artists do a fantastic job and they should be compensated and rewarded for the good stuff that they do. If you now use AI, you're basically kicking them out of a job. And I don't think AI art, from when I've seen an example of AI art and shoved it next to an actual piece of art, you can tell which one was done by AI and which one was done by the artist. And you can just appreciate the artist one more. Their personality goes into the art that they do, their feelings, emotion, because art is not just, you know, moving your arm around with a paintbrush and doing stuff like that. It requires an element of the artist in it. This is why, like, art like Van, Van Gogh's artist, um, you know, Van Gogh's art is so popular. I don't overly go for Van Gogh's style, but when you look at his art and you know his backstory and, you know, what happened to him, you understand how he feels and how he portrays it through his art. AI art could not replicate a Van Gogh piece of art. It just would not happen. And in the second part of this where, you know, because it's using the database of the Internet to generate this art, yes, it could be plagiarizing a lot of other people's art by using their styles because it exists on the Internet and those people don't get compensated for it. So... You know, I'm not going to downvote a game for, you know, having AI art. It's not something I can do. I can't say this game is a 5 out of 10 because it uses AI art. 
But what I am certainly going to be mindful of is that I won't always know if a game has AI art or an artist impression. I won't know because, you know, somebody has to tell me. I wouldn't be able to tell at first. And I haven't got time to email all the publishers of these games that I got to ask them, do you use artists? Do you use AI art? Um, but I can look at the publisher credits and hope that the artist's name is listed and check out their works. The main thing is, though, is that if I'm going to talk about pros and cons in a game, and I know that you're using AI art, you're not going to get any extra brownie points for being lazy. You know, that's not going to happen. It may look good, but I'm not going to give extra marks for you being lazy and not paying artists. That's just not the way I'm going to roll with this. So, yeah, not a big fan of using that. What about ChatGPT, though, in general? There is apparently, I don't think I've got uh, specific examples, but the... The chat GPT thing is where you could get the AI to do something else. And there have been, you know, somebody on BGG, I believe, tried an example where they tried to design a board game using chat GPT. So they got an AI to basically design a board game. And it came out with this massive thing. They gave it the criteria and they said, right, here it is. And then here was like the game with rules and stuff. Now, obviously, you could not just take that and send it out to print. Because there would be some weird errors, there'd be like ambiguities, and it certainly wouldn't be the most polished game ever on that basis. But it could give you a solid framework for a game that you then tweak. I am worried that we're going to see people get lazy with this as well. The last thing I want to see is a designer try and pump out a bunch of games under his name or his or her name and you know, use lazy things like AI to come up with their ideas. Come up with your own idea for a design. Don't have a robot do it for you. Again, some of your personality, some of your like style should be present in the game that you are designing. I mean, you you play certain games like by like Bruno Cafala, you know, Ignacy Trevacek, um, uh, you know, even the Stomar a lot, to be honest. Uh, 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 Stefan Feld, Uri Rosenberg, you know, all these like, you know, big name designers, you know it's their game. Like you play a big heavy Euro by Uri Rosenberg, you know it's a Rosenberg Euro. You know it's not a Stefan Feld one, and you know it's not a Bruno Kapala game or whatever. It's blatantly an Uri Rosenberg style. It has his tropes. It has its, uh, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it has like the typical things that go into an Uri Rosenberg game. Stefan Feld. I don't like Stefan Feld games. I don't particularly like Martin Wallace games either, with one exception, Anno 1800. But, you know, when you play those games, you know this is a Martin Wallace game. You know this is a Feld game. You, you, you can recognize where it comes from. Granted, Cocapelli is the one game that did fool me into not realizing it was a Feld game, but uh, it would have been my second guess. I thought it was a Knizia game at first. But then even a Knizia game, yeah, a Reiner Knizia game, you can usually tell what a Knizia game is. It has their trademarks in it. If an AI starts doing their games, you know, let's say Knizia decided I'm going to use an AI and then tweak it myself, you would know it doesn't feel like a Knizia game at that point. It, you know, I just don't think AI is something we should be trying to rely on. The technology is impressive. It's also a little scary. I mean, you know, how long before we actually do end up with a Skynet situation at this point? But... The I, I don't believe AI is going to take over and suddenly doom the whole planet, but you know, you know, certainly not. But you know, I think we are becoming a little bit too heavily reliant on it. And you know, the idea that board games—I mean, board games come out a dime a dozen as it is. If you start using AI to do it, because you're cutting corners and cutting costs and doing it quicker, 
we're going to see games pumped out like the Wazoo, and a lot of them are not going to be very good games because I just don't think a, an AI could create a fantastic game. AI is not going to create Spirit Island for me. There is no way I'm going to get the same thematic connection from Sentinels in the Multiverse from an AI-generated idea than I am from the people who are passionate and designed Sentinels in the Multiverse. It's not going to happen. You could maybe design, maybe you could design a Steffenfeld, ah oh, no, that's mean, but you know, you could design some bone-dry beige Euro probably with an AI thing because the theme doesn't matter and it's just a bunch of mechanics, but still, I think mechanically it just wouldn't work as well as if somebody actually took time and care to really hone down those mechanics and tweak them and streamline them and everything. So I just don't, basically the long short of it is, because my throat is giving out, you know, to wrap this up, I don't agree with using AI in games. I don't think you should use ChatGPT to design games. I don't think you should use AI art to cut corners with your game. Artists are there. They are decent people, they make a living, and they have creative talent that I will never be able to have in any stage of my life. I cannot draw for toffee. So I respect heavily artists. I'm not even a big art fan. I don't go to art galleries, you know, it's not my thing. But I did go to the Rick's Museum in Amsterdam on my last cruise, and I looked around all the art, and there are some types, there's a style of art I love, and there's a style of art I don't, and I like scenery art particularly. And I walked around that museum, and there was some art from, like, the Renaissance era that I thought, I don't like this art at all. This is all religious-themed. It's all weird, sort of abstracty style. I didn't like it. But then we went round what was kind of more like the Baroque period, and, like, sort of, um, I forget what they called it. Was it... It wasn't called New Modern, or was it the Romantic Era? I don't know. Whatever came after Renaissance or something, and artist experts will know more. But I looked around that art, and man, I saw some gorgeous scenery art in there. There was some stuff that I took photos of that I was like, oh my god, I want this on my wall. And I appreciate good art on the basis that I can't do it myself, and something can look really great. I can just stare at it and go, that's amazing. How did you take the time to do this? It's something I appreciate. So I don't want an AI doing art for my games, thank you. Find an artist, find a good one, and pay them to do it. No excuse. There's a lot of them out there, not just the big-named ones. There's a lot of good artists. Pay one of them and get them to do your art in your game. So, yeah, take a swig. And that's it for me. You know, the throat is not going to last another 20 minutes. So we'll make this a shortish episode. But as I say, i got to get on with doing other stuff. I still need to record one or two things later today. And I need to edit the um, Lands of Galzia review. I'll probably do that in a minute. But yeah, you know, thanks for joining me on this episode. Uh, you know, it's a shorter one. But, you know, Essen has taken up a lot of my time. Business will now resume for the podcast, assuming... You know, i got to think about, in the new year, I need to think about whether this podcast is still worth continuing, I must admit, because it is a drain on resources and time. But we'll see. As I say, the, you know, this show doesn't allow me to talk about other topics, but maybe the time would be better spent elsewhere. We'll have to see. But there are people who don't watch the YouTube channel and listen to the podcast, so I'd hate to be disappointing them. But anyway, this is a thought for another time. For now, what are your thoughts on this? You know, AI, art, chat GPT. Do you agree with their use? Do you think it's harmless? Do you think it's a, you know, going to be problematic? Do you think it's completely wrong? 
Would you outright refuse to buy a game if it used an AI script or AI art? You know, would you actually feel that strongly about it? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Until then, check out some content on my uh, show. Check out the Zoo Tycoon review. Let's get that, to, you know, in the hot review section on Board Game Geek and, you know, high up on the, sub, uh, the views for this channel. And I hope you look forward to the content that's going to come in the next quarter. Just bear with me. I'm going to get to all these Essen games eventually. I just have to pick and choose which order I do them in. So I can't rush any of them out because, you know, there are some people out there who are rushing these out. But then those people are doing first impressions, which is typically not a full review. So take those with a pinch of salt. And also, you might notice that I do a lot of editing on my videos. There are lots out there who literally just switch on the camera and that's it. Like, the editing time for their videos probably takes five seconds. Because there's no intro, no outro, no pictures, no jump cuts, no anything. Like, literally, it's just switch the camera on and take the entire footage. Granted, if my channel was in that style, I would be pumping out videos every day. But I can't. So my stuff takes time to record. It takes time to edit. I will get to them, just be patient. And I know most of you are, so thank you for your patience, but this is why I can't pump out 20 Essen reviews this month compared to another channel that probably can. So that's it for me. I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple uh, episode. Um, if you'd like what you see, thumb it up, and let me know your thoughts, and take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Uh, if you went to Essen, hope you had a great time. Hopefully I'll see some of you at HandyCon or GridCon in the next couple of months. But if you don't go to any of those, if you don't live in the UK, then by all means, take care. And I hope to maybe meet you one day in life real soon. Bye for now, everyone.